I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest Arsenal-related transfer reports. We'll also be talking a little bit about Eddie and Ketia and taking some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat. Really, really looking forward to this one. And a big thank you to everybody joining us live. We are slightly earlier today than normal, uh, just because work, as I always say to you guys, sometimes gets in the way. Uh, which is unfortunate, but it happens and such is life. So here we are. Um, wanted to make sure that we bring you a podcast today because over the World Cup, as I said to you guys before, you know, the consistency, it, it, it dropped off. You know, it did because there wasn't an awful lot of Arsenal related stuff to talk about. And I was taking the opportunity to try and sort of recharge a little bit because it looks as though uh, the remainder of December, January and February and March and April and May are going to be absolutely manic. And sometimes you need to just take your foot off the gas. And I'm not one to sit and make content just for the sake of it, just to tick a box, just to, uh, you know, keep the numbers where they are or, or where I want them to be. So, yeah, I did take my foot off the gas a little bit, but we are back to daily and we have been for over a week now and um, wanted to keep that consistency, even if sometimes the time has to slightly change. Uh, which I know can be frustrating for some of our viewers. Let's say a few hellos because there's plenty of you in the live chat with us already. Big hello uh, to Alex, to Kyle, to Matt, uh, to Lee, to Juno, uh, to Henry, to Fatality, to Zebic, to Jamie. Uh, Des is with us. Steve is with us. Uh, we've got Sean in the chat as well. Granddaddy Gooner is here. Um, Caleb is here as well. So is Mint. And the 33 says, uh, Greek timing. Yeah, Greek timing indeed. You should know me by now. I always uh, set the stream for five minutes earlier than I'm actually going to start. It's the Greek way. Give yourself a little bit of um, give yourself a little bit of, of leeway uh, is what I always say. But anyway, cool. Let's uh, let's dive into it. Let's talk uh, first of all, Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Now, this is a name that has been linked with Arsenal uh, a fair few times in uh, recent times. He's somebody that I admire a lot as a Serie A fan. You could argue that he's probably the best midfielder in Serie A when he's at full tilt, when he's fit, when he's firing, when he's in great form. You know, I don't think there's anybody like him. I think he brings so, so much to the table. And we know that Lazio know that. We know that Lazio regard him very, very highly. And we know that Lazio are never going to let him go without some sort of fight. I think they fought a really good fight already, actually, to keep him at the club for as long as they have. Um, but Matteo Moretto, an Italian journalist, claims that Arsenal have recently been in contact with Sergei Milinkovic-Savic's representatives again. Now, Moretto's claim is that Arsenal have contacted the players' people, have made the players' people aware that Arsenal are interested in securing his services. Arsenal are looking at his current contract situation. His current contract with Lazio is due to expire in the summer of 2024. And it's understood that he's not planning on signing a new deal with the club. So Arsenal are on alert, as will a number of other clubs be, you know, because he is, as I say, a very, very good player, someone who's very highly sought after, someone who a lot of people have eyes on, a lot of people would love to add to their squads, and a lot of people would love to add to their midfield. So I don't expect us to 
you know, if we did move for Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, which I'm not even saying is happening at this point, I'm just relaying to you the report and I'm sharing my thoughts and opinion on it. We'll talk about the reliability of it as well, in my view. Um, but yeah, he's a player that I think a lot of clubs will be looking at. And I think what Arsenal are trying to do or what Arsenal would be trying to do if this were accurate, um, you know, there is a, an argument that says it isn't. There is a... a, a, a a possibility that it isn't. So I don't want to get too kind of caught up in the um, what ifs and all that. But what this would suggest to me, if Arsenal were indeed in contact with Sergei Milinkovic's people, uh, it, it would say that Arsenal are trying to steal a march on their rivals in their pursuit of this player. That Arsenal are looking to to get a head start. That Arsenal are looking to try and you know get something kind of semi put, put in place ahead of time. And the reason I say ahead of time is because. Matteo Moreto is not claiming that Arsenal are going to do this deal in January. He's not claiming that Arsenal are even trying to do this in January. That is off the table, according to this report. What he says is that with his current contract due to expire in the summer of 2024, it means that in 2023, so at the end of this season, he will be in his final year of contract. If he's not wanting to and not planning on signing a new one, what Matteo Moreto is suggesting is that Arsenal will try their luck in the summer. So they will table a bid, to Lazio that would be significantly less than probably what he's worth and significantly less than the figures that we've talked about in the past, which have been in excess of 80, 85 million pounds. Arsenal will test Lazio's resolve. Arsenal will look at this and say, this guy's only got a year left on his contract. We are not going to overpay here. It's up to you, Lazio. Take it or leave it. And if this is true, that Sergei Milinkovic-Savic has indicated to people at Lazio and, and has given off the hint that he has no intention of signing a new deal, perhaps they will be tempted to accept. The only thing with this for me, or the only sort of off-putting thing for me, is, is the player's age, right? So he's 27 years old currently. If we were to get him in the summer, he'd be 28, okay, at the time of purchase, shall we say at the time of signing. And so on a 28-year-old, you're going to give them a long-term contract because that's how you get players these days. You're going to give them a high-value long-term contract in the case of somebody like Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. So how long can that contract be on a 28-year-old? 20, maximum four years, you know, maximum, uh, I would say. But will the player be happy with that or will he want more? Will he want it longer? And then the investment becomes bigger. And then the, the risk becomes bigger. And so the club would have to weigh that up. But if Arsenal were to wait until Sergei Milinkovic-Savic ran his contract down at Lazio, OK, they'd save on a transfer fee because they'd be able to nab him on a free if indeed uh, they are the ones at the front of the queue. But they'd have to pay him a very significant signing on fee, you'd imagine, because there will be, as I say, a number of clubs interested. And you have to do something that makes you the standout. You have to do something that gives you the advantage. But then you'd be talking about a 29-year-old because his birthday's in February. So by the time his contract expires, he will be 29 years old. And that changes things for me. That changes things a lot. 28, I think you're already pushing it in terms of what Arsenal's strategy appears to be, in terms of the longevity of the investments that they wish to make, in terms of how they look to do things, you know, and sort of now protect themselves for the longer term. This doesn't quite fit into that. And it's a it's kind of like if you really want this player, then you got to do it while it's worthwhile and you got to do it while giving him a long term contract, which will undoubtedly have to do makes sense. In terms of the player himself, though, I think he's fantastic. I think he's a very versatile midfielder. I'd be comfortable with him playing 
in the Partey role if he needed to. I think he's better off playing as an eight. I think he's better off playing in a slightly more advanced position where he does have that little bit more freedom and isn't necessarily anchored to one part of the pitch. But I think his versatility would be a great asset to this squad because it would mean that we can, you know, shift it around and and we can tweak it when necessary in the event of injuries and in the event of problems with others. I think he's very powerful. I don't have any issues or concerns about how he would fit into the Premier League physically. I think that's one of the big things that people look at when they bring players from abroad. They look at them and they think, you're coming from this league, in Sergei Milinkovic-Savic's case, the Serie A, very, very different, a lot slower paced, a lot more tactical, but nowhere near as physical, nowhere near as, um, you know, as as frenetic. It's a very, very different competition. I don't look at Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, his build, his profile, and worry about that, which is obviously a good thing. Technically, I think he's a brilliant footballer. I've always said this. I've been, you know, very, very positive about this player throughout his career, actually, uh, in Italy. And I've been very positive about him when he's been discussed as a potential suitor for Arsenal. But, you know, is it going to happen? That's the big question. I think he'd be a hit in the Premier League straight away. And I think he's incredibly experienced and would add another layer to a very uh, good midfield that we have at the moment, but that simply lacks a little bit of depth. Um, you know, we talked about Lokonga the other day. I don't want to go over that again. Am I 100% certain that, you know, he is going to make it at Arsenal? Would I be 100% certain that we need to stick with him? I can't say that at this point. And I think if an offer came in from abroad, Italy in particular, where I think it would suit him down to the ground, I think he'd be silly not to want to explore that as well. So, you know, we could potentially lose players. Mohamed Elneny is another one as well. Uh, you know, we, you know, we don't know what the future holds with him. I'd imagine that, you know, He's not part of the long-term plan, but he was given, you know, a, a contract extension to to help. And I think that's what he is. He's a help around the squad. He's a good character. He's a, a good person to backfill, but no more than that. But eventually, if we want to challenge for the biggest trophies and in the biggest competitions and on multiple fronts, we're going to have to have greater quality in depth. So just to summarise on Matteo Moreto's report, Arsenal have been in contact with Sergei Milinkovic-Savic's people. They've indicated to the player and his people that they would quite like to sign him. Uh, Arsenal are not expecting to do this deal in January because it would cost an absolute fortune. And the likelihood of Lazio allowing that to happen is very, very low. So not looking at that, but Arsenal are looking at potentially making a move for him this summer if they get an indication from his people that he would be interested. Because as we say, they are claiming or at least putting out there, that he is not going to sign a new contract with Lazio, which means at the start of next season, he'd be going into his final campaign of contract. So Arsenal will, according to Matteo Moretto, explore the possibility of taking advantage of that. Whether it happens or not, though, is another thing. And I do want to stress this, right, because sometimes I get like messages from people saying, oh, Harry said this and Harry said that. That's not what I'm doing, right? This is not my information. What I am doing on a daily basis right now is I am reading all the reports, scouring the internet, getting um, the latest information. I'm relaying it to you guys uh, to save you essentially scrolling through a million and one different articles and then giving my take on it. And it is just my take. The likelihood of Sergei Milinkovic-Savic landing at Arsenal for me is not very high. And it's largely for the reason I've discussed. I don't think in terms of his profile, I don't think he fits in terms of his age. 
in terms of where he's at in his career. And then when you add to that, that he is the finished article, if you like, he is a ready-made player. He is somebody that you'd expect to come into the team and have an instant impact. With that comes a huge price. Add on top of that what I know about Lazio and the way that they've dug their heels in in the past to keep hold of him. Add to that what I know about Milinkovic-Savic and the fact that he is actually quite happy at Lazio and has been because he's never really pushed for a move away. You know, it's it's hard to see how all of the stars align for this one, but it is a report doing the rounds. It is one that's gathering pace and it's one that's been widely discussed by Arsenal fans at the moment. Taking it on to Mikhailo Mudrik. Now, we heard uh, that uh, Sergei Palkin, the Shakhtar Donetsk CEO, confirmed to Adam Crafton yesterday that talks for the player are ongoing. He went on to say that although the valuation that they hold for Mudrik has not been met, it's not a million uh, million miles away. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. He also went on to say that he thinks there's a 50-50 chance that Mudrik leaves the club in January. Um, he didn't name Arsenal specifically as... Um, you know, as as the club in conversation with Shakhtar currently. But, you know, given what we're reading elsewhere and given the noises that are coming out of the likes of, you know, David Ornstein and people like that, it seems like there's a good chance that Arsenal are the club that are leading the chase for Mikhailo Mudrik at the moment. I know a lot of Arsenal fans are very, very keen on him. Um, I'd like to see him come, but I do think the deal has its risks, as I've said to you guys repeatedly recently. That doesn't mean you don't do it you hope and you believe and you, you'd you like to think that the club have done far more extensive research uh, on the player and uh, and believe that the level of risk is far greater than I see it as and as everybody else. Not that they care how I see it, but, you know, the point I'm trying to make is that my concern about it, slight concern about it, and it's not a concern about getting Mikhail Madrid, it's a concern about overpaying for him more than anything else. You would feel like they've done their due diligence and you'd want to believe that they've done enough due diligence to minimise that risk, you know, and, and that's how you got to look at it. But that continues to rumble on. You know, some are suggesting that uh, the talks are progressing, that as uh, Sergei Palkin has also said that we're not a million miles off of what Shakhtar are looking for. But can we get this deal concluded? at the start of the window. Arsenal are working on it now, which is a good sign because it's still a good couple of weeks until the window opens, three weeks, I think. And so, yeah, you know, there's optimism that if the deal can be agreed in principle, at least, then once the window opens, things can move quite quickly. But I wouldn't hold my breath because as I keep saying to you guys, when it comes to transfer windows, expect business at the beginning and you're more often than not be disappointed. I think uh, it's going to... Um, it's going to uh, it's going to rumble on a little bit this one, as you'd expect it would. It's a big deal for Shakhtar Donetsk. He's their biggest asset. They're a club whose financial situation is is not great at the moment because of you know all of the things going on in Ukraine and and so yeah they're going to try and maximise this. They're going to try and get as much out of Mikhailo Mudrik as they can, and and we'll see where it goes. Uh, let's go over to the comments. Let's get some of your thoughts on the stories already discussed, and then we will continue uh, through touching on a couple of other bits. Um, what have we got here? Uh, Chris Carrick says, at least the lighting is better today, and you don't look quite like Batman in the Batcave. I have ordered lights, so uh, the lighting on the night shows is going to look better as well. Um, yesterday, I had my camera on the wrong setting as well, because what I do is I set my camera one way, 
when it's daylight and the blinds are open and it's all hitting on my face. Um, and then I should have changed them last night, uh, the settings to the, the different mode for the night. And I didn't do that. So it did look a bit dark, um, which I realized once we'd started the stream. But once that's done, what are you going to do? I was already mucking around with my microphone and had you guys sitting around watching me do that for a good minute or so. So, yeah, I don't want to, uh, didn't want to be stopping again. But yeah, you're right. Um, it needs to get better. And I have bought some stuff uh, on Amazon, which should be arriving, I think, some today, some tomorrow. And then we can um, we can make sure that that is better as well. But cheers for all the feedback. He also goes on to say, very festive jumper. I don't even know that it's meant to be festive, but I, I was wearing it the other day. Um, wore it for a little bit and then chucked it uh, on the chair next to my bed. And then today, when I was about to come down here to the man cave, I learned my lesson from yesterday where I sat here freezing on screen and shivering. So I just grabbed it and threw it on. Uh, to keep me warm and it's working it's doing its job fair play uh let's see what else we've got um reefer 47 says at this point i just want sergey milinkovic savage to go somewhere so that we won't get linked with him in every single window yeah it's it's one of those isn't it where it's ongoing and it feels like we're always going to be linked with him but at the end of the day he's a top top player and so when you see those links it's not the type of link that concerns me or worries me. It's not the type of link that makes me go, oh, here we go again. It's the type of link that makes me go, hmm, if we could do this, this would be quite nice. But I'm not getting excited about it. I'm not getting carried away about it. I know all about Lotito. I know all about the way Lazio operate. And I expect that they will make it very, very difficult for Sergei Milinkovic-Savic to leave. Once he enters that final year of contract, though, maybe... Uh, they'll have to soften their stance a little bit if he's indicated to them that he's not going to sign a new one. And then the landscape changes. But until that point, I think we have to take this uh, with a pinch of salt. Uh, Wandering Minstrel, big hello to you, man. How's it going? He says, don't think it fits with Edu's plan uh, due to his age. Yeah, I, I made that point as well. I, I think you're right. Um, Daniel says, uh, hello, Harry. How are you? Uh, I'm still not happy that Vlavic was involved in... <laughs> extracurricular activities uh is the way i'll put it on the podcast uh with um with somebody else's missus as was being reported as well uh yeah look that's that stuff isn't great is it and um i, I don't think we're going to get vlavic as i said to you guys yesterday i think that the vlavic ship to arsenal has very much sailed and and will not be making another voyage anytime soon so yeah um uh, we spoke about that yesterday, but um, thank you, Daniel, for your very kind uh, super chat donation. Really, really appreciate it. Um, James says that we have to take transfer news from Italy with a teaspoon of salt. Absolutely. I've said to you guys many a times on this podcast that for me, the section of the press that probably gets the most wrong and makes up the most ridiculous stories is probably the Italian one. And I don't mean that with any disrespect you know as I say I'm a big Italian football fan I love it I love the culture around it I love so much about the game in that country and the way they do things but you know you do have to take some of these reports with a pinch of salt you're absolutely right and you know you you get a report come through you, your eyes perk up you read it you normally get a gut feel as to whether that report is accurate or not my gut tells me that the Milinkovic Savage thing is probably stretching it's probably one of those where you know the player is uh moving to try and line something up potentially uh, maybe not him individually but at least his people 
They'll be looking at his contract, the expiration date. They know where it is right now. And they'll probably think that, you know, if they can drum up some interest in their player, they'll be able to get a nice move uh, potentially next summer, which is uh, or the summer coming, which is earlier than when his contract expires. And they'll be able to pocket something themselves from any potential buyer uh, as a bit of a sweetener. So, yeah, look, they we, we know how it works. And I've spoken to many, many uh, reporters, um, you know, across some of the big organizations, Sky Sports, uh, BBC Sport, uh, various others. And one of the things that they've all told me is that most of the noises, most of the rumors that do find their way into the hands of the press, they come from intermediaries and agents. They don't come from the players. The players don't speak about it. Very rarely will a player be the source of a reporter's information. It's often intermediaries and it's often reporter, uh, often intermediaries and it's often agents. And so, you know, based on that, you'd assume that they're doing it when they have something potentially to gain from it. And I think Sergei Milinkovic Savage's people certainly do because he was pretty good at the World Cup again. And um, yeah, that certainly helps. Uh, Daniel also says, uh, you have the best Arsenal podcast, Harry, very talented journalist. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Daniel, and appreciate your very kind donations, mate. Thank you so, so much. Uh, Jarman Property said, will you swap Martinelli for Vinicius? I love Martinelli, so I wouldn't swap him for anyone. Um, like, genuinely. Like maybe Kylian Mbappe. I don't know. Look, I, I, I don't think that Martinelli is anywhere near his peak yet. I think he's still got so, so much to offer. I love Vinicius, but I do think he's a little bit limited, Vinicius Jr. I think he's a great runner very powerful very quick i think he's added um better finishing to his game and and various other bits and pieces i'm not saying that martinelli is better than him now right let's not pretend that that's what i'm saying but i, I think i'm really enjoying what we're building at the moment and i love some of the players that we're building it around and gabby martinelli is one of those and i don't want to even consider or entertain the idea of, of moving him on uh, James says, I don't want Mudrick and he's not worth more than 35 to 40 million pounds. I agree that he's not worth more than 40 odd million pounds. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that is a comment that I agree with. I'm not going to say I don't want him though. I'd actually quite like to see what he could do in the Premier League, but, um, you know, at what cost it's got to be at the right cost. It's got to be at a reasonable cost in my opinion. Uh, Jid said, why do fans think Martinelli would be better than Eddie at centre forward? Eddie scored less goals last season, um, playing a thousand less minutes. And Arteta tried turning Gabby into a centre forward, but still came back as a left back. Um, so the, the general gist of the question is, why do fans think Martinelli would be better than Eddie at centre forward? There's no evidence to support that. And I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, early on in his career, early on in Gabby Martinelli's career, I was convinced that he could be a centre forward. I really was. And the reason for that was because he drifted in from the left-hand side so often and really did make things happen. He caused people all sorts of problems. I remember uh, his first in his first sort of stint with the team, he scored a few headed goals in the Europa League. And I remember thinking, this guy, you know, he's a forward, he's a striker. But as he's gone on, as he's developed, you know, I think actually, yeah, we can see that he's better from the left. We can see that that's where he's comfortable, that that's where he wants to play. And I wish people would stop trying to sort of flog a dead horse like nobody wants. I don't want to see Martinelli moved from the left to play through the middle. I think Martinelli is the emergency option. You know, in the event that Eddie Nketiah goes down now, I think that Martinelli would be 
probably the next one in line, but it's not ideal. And it's not, we're not in a place where I would say, yeah, that's his position and we should, we should adapt him to that. I, I don't think we're that far down the line with it. I think it's something that people think he could do based on some of the attributes that he's shown us, but there's no guarantee that he'd be a success in that position. That's for sure. Uh, what else have we got? Big hello to Juno. Um, Kittis Daniel says, hello, Harry. Thanks for the show. Guess Savage can't fit into the Arsenal squad because of his age and the club philosophy. It's absolutely an impossible deal. Yeah. And then this goes back to what I was saying to you earlier, like use your gut. You know, you, what does your gut tell you about this? My gut tells me that this is unlikely. But when they throw in stuff like the contract situation and then I looked into it and I worked out that, yeah, you know, his contract does run out. Uh, in the summer of 2024, there might be an opportunity for somebody to go out there and take advantage of that. Whether that is us or not remains to be seen, but you can see where the smoke is coming from. There's just a tiny little fire burning around uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic's future. And with Arsenal wanting to go out and get a midfielder and, and all these outlets that publicise things like that, they know that Arsenal want a midfielder. They know that Arsenal fans are clamouring for a midfielder and they know that Arsenal fans would jump all over any story that involves the potential of them bringing in a midfielder. So it's sometimes journalists do this. Sometimes they take educated guesses. Sometimes they take educated punts. And this feels like one of those. Um, Odra Deck says, uh, would you take Amrabat for Arsenal? <coughs> um, I quite like Amrabat. I think he's been quite good in the World Cup. I think he's been part of a really inspired Moroccan team that have gone on to do really, really well, obviously beaten by France at the semi-final stage yesterday. Uh, but it was a valiant effort from them and they can be incredibly proud of, of where they've got to. First African side to ever get that far in a World Cup. Would I be going after Amrabat though? No. And just because I'm not totally convinced by him, I, I've seen a lot of him in Serie A, not saying he's bad. I think he's a decent player, but I'm not totally convinced. And when it comes to him, it's another one of those, well, does it fit? You know, does it fit into what we are trying to do? Does it fit into what we are trying to build? Um, he's a great destroyer. He did a wonderful job of that uh, for the Moroccans at this World Cup. But um, he is just 26 years old, I guess. That's the good thing. You know, he's 26 years old. He's... Um, you know, he's played 45 times for Morocco. Maybe on that basis, you, you consider it. But looking at his contract situation, doesn't expire till 2024. And there's the option for a further year uh, that Fiorentina holds. So if you were to try and do that deal, you'd need to pay a lot of money. You'd need to, you know, show them a lot to basically tempt them into letting him go. And I'm not sure that I would on, on Amrabat. That's just, that's just my opinion at the moment. But Good player, but yeah, not totally convinced. He wouldn't be at the top of my midfielder list, but also not the worst option in the world, I guess. Interesting one. You're making me think about this more now on the spot in my head. If the links do come up, maybe we'll talk about him in a little bit more detail. But first instinct is I'd probably pass on that one at this moment in time. <coughs> Beg your pardon. Okay, let's take it on. Let's talk about uh, the FIFA World Cup because... Arsenal have received 1.57 million, uh, apparently, uh, for the World Cup from FIFA as compensation 
for the participation of some of their players. Now, the Athletic have broken this down and these are some of the figures to give you an idea of how it goes. So the Gabriel Jesus injury, the injury sustained by the Brazilian at the World Cup, which we think is going to keep him out for at least three months, that is worth to Arsenal in compensation. Wait for it. $90,000. What is that going to do? It doesn't even touch the sides. What are you going to do? $90,000. Doesn't even pay Gabby Jesus' wage for a week. Honestly, it's it's laughable, isn't it? Uh, we've also received money for the participation of players at the finals as well. And the Athletic have broken this down. So Gabriel Martinelli, having got to the quarterfinals uh, with Brazil, uh, we are due to receive $280,000 for him. Uh, when it comes uh, to Ramsdale, White and Saka, the England trio, we're due $460,000 for the three of them. But it is unknown, according to The Athletic, whether Ben White's early return has any impact on that figure. So we, we have to keep an eye on that. That could change. That could be less. Tomiyasu, Xhaka and Matt Turner all suffered round of 16 uh, exits. And they are collectively worth $440,000 in the eyes of FIFA. So that's what we'll get in terms of compensation for them. Thomas Partey, uh, $180,000. Saliba, $120,000, despite reaching the World Cup final. Now, you might be thinking, why are we getting more for players that went uh, less far in the tournament and, uh, and didn't get as far in the competition? The reason for this is this compensation scheme is... Is built on, you know, a very specific system. And one of the things that they take into account is how long that player's been with you, how much they play for you. There's a big criteria as to how this is worked out. And apparently, according to The Athletic, the return on William Saliba in terms of compensation from FIFA for his participation at the World Cup is diluted by the loan spells that he had at both Nice and Marseille. So they don't look at just how much you've used them this season. They look at it over a number of seasons. I'm not sure exactly of the criteria, but it's a complex one. It's a complicated one. And I'm told that because uh, William Saliba uh, spent some time on loan uh, at Marseille and at Nice, we're due to receive less money for him. And that's $120,000, which again, isn't anything all that significant. The other thing I wanted to talk about um, is Eddie and Ketia. We talked quite a bit about Eddie and Ketia after the Lyon game. Uh, we talked a little bit more about him after the Milan game uh, in the Dubai Super Cup. Yep, that prestigious trophy that we won and uh, now have in our trophy cabinet. But what kind of gave me, yeah, I, I don't know how to put this. What what I enjoyed this morning was, was reading uh, a piece from Tom Canton. Uh, from football.london and from, of course, the Guna Talk TV. Uh, you've seen Tom on here plenty of times. You've seen me on Tom's channel plenty of times. Tom wrote a piece today, which is really, really good, and he's tweeted it out, so do check it out, in which he highlights some of the differences that were on display when it comes to Eddie and Ketty's, Eddie, Eddie and Ketty's game uh, following the injury to Gabby Jesus. Now, I've told you guys repeatedly that the fact that Arsenal have some time to work with Eddie now is, is a good thing. It's a positive. And it means that we have time to mould him into more like what we need him to be 
in order to keep that continuity going with regards to the way we attack. And I talked about him dropping into different positions. I talked about him getting around the pitch a lot more. I talked about him drawing in defenders and releasing the ball in the right moments. I talked about him dribbling in order to pull people away. I talked about all of those things. And uh, Tom Canton, as I say, wrote a piece for um, for football.london and highlighted a lot of the same things that I did as well. So it gives me encouragement, actually, that somebody else saw it and it wasn't just me. Um, so there are some differences to the way Eddie Nketiah is going about his business. There are some differences to his game. And as I said to Tom in a, a WhatsApp that we exchanged earlier, I said, look, the, the thing is, he'll never be Gabby Jesus and, and nobody expects him to be. But what we can do is if we coach him right, if we get him up to speed in terms of game instructions and we, we make it clear to him what it is that Eddie brings to the table, as I've said to you guys before, then we get a much better Eddie and Ketia and we get one that's a lot more uh, in alignment with Gabby Jesus and what he brings to the table. And that limits the disruption to a system that's worked very, very well for Arsenal so far this season. So, yeah, um, good to see that that he sort of um, came away with the same observations as me. It reinforces my belief that what I saw was right. And um, yeah, I'd check out that piece because he's put it in a, a written form and it's much more eloquent and much more clear than anything that I could ever put down on paper. So do check it out and a shout out to Tom as well. Um, don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, we've got nearly 350 of you watching. It's only 65 likes on the board. There is no reason why we shouldn't have at least 150. Also, uh, we are 70 subs away from hitting that 25,000 milestone. So if you wouldn't mind, if you are new, if you are freeloading, and what I mean by freeloading is watching without being subscribed, then please, please do get involved, support us, help us move forward. Also, check out our membership content on the Another Slice platform. The link is in the description. And as I mentioned to you guys earlier on in the week, anybody who signs up between now and Christmas will be uh, given a discount which will be applied to their account and they'll get a couple of months of membership free. The premium content will kick back off, of course, uh, from next week as we build up to the return of Premier League football and you'll be getting at minimum one piece of additional content per week and early access to some of the exclusive bits that we do as well. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, thank you for jumping on board. Um, yeah, I'll see you guys very, very soon. We'll be back with another show tomorrow. Of course, Arsenal are in action on Saturday against Juventus and we'll bring you a post-match reaction show to that one as well. Um, and yeah, then we'll be building up towards the return of the Premier League, as I say, which is not an awful long way away. Boxing Day, Arsenal back in action against West Ham United at Emirates Stadium. And I can't wait uh, to see the boys back out on the pitch, on home soil, in front of our fans. And, uh, and catch up with some mates who I haven't seen at the stadium for a little while now. Thank you all so, so much. Really appreciate it. Remember, like, 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 subscribe if you haven't done so already. Make sure um, you are subscribed if you're listening on audio platforms. Please do leave us a review too. We got up to number 32 in the podcast chart uh, earlier this week, which was really, really good to see. That's still our peak, though. We haven't gone beyond that. I'd love to go beyond that at some point um in our category but number 32 when you think about how many football podcasts are out there it's pretty damn good going so thank you all for your continued support i'll see you all soon until next time goodbye
I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.